And we're going to talk a little bit about our mission uh, to Guatemala back in November. And I'm going to, um, yeah, hi. Thanks for joining me. Um, the, and just so you know, this is exactly where all of these people want to be, right in front of a full church. So they begged for it, and I'm like, okay. Can you just hold that for me for a minute, and then I'll turn on in a minute. I want to talk a little bit, just to give you some, uh, some context. Uh, we started this, uh, this mission, it goes all the way back with us, it goes back to 2014. We did our first medical mission with Kairos Ministries in Guatemala. Our trip in November was our fourth mission since uh, 2014. It is a medical mission. So this is a, this year's team. Uh, we got a picture of our team. Um, was comprised of two providers, seven nurses, a pharmacy tech, eleven non-medical support team members, and these are people with no medical experience or credentials who are just willing to serve anywhere and learn whatever medical skills you think we are capable of. So, but it's things like counting pills and helping fill prescriptions and taking weights and temperatures and scribing notes for the docs in the clinic, and of course. Lots of playing with the kids. So we started meeting as a team uh, last March and uh, for the purpose of team building and getting to know one another and just getting a sense for how our skill sets uh, and personalities were going to mesh. And uh, you'll hear more about that experience maybe from some of our team members. Every member of our team, there were 21 of us, every one of them paid a price for this experience. The mission costs $2,000 each, and everybody's responsible for raising their own funds. Um, they had to take a week off of work, sometimes uh, some give up some vacation time, and for those who are self-employed, not even paid vacation time. Um, one of our, t- our team members is a student, and she had to give up a whole week of school, and, uh, which is a big <laughs> sacrifice. We joke, but there is work to be made up, isn't there? So sometimes. So several of our team members left spouses and kids behind, and that might sound like a vacation to you, but this is a big deal to me, so thank you to those of you who kept things rolling at home so your family member could serve on this mission. Throughout our storytelling today, um, you're going to hear us talking about the Valdez family. So let me just introduce you to them. This is not a recent picture, but it's the most recent one I could find. Paco and Priscilla, uh, they started Kairos Ministries about 40 years ago. Uh, their son, Francisco, who's on the left there, or Paki, uh, he leads Kairos House today. Uh, their daughter, Annie, and her husband, Chino, they partner with teams like ours whenever they can uh, to help make that, that mission effective. And then Gustavo, who's on the far right, uh, and his wife, Elizabeth, who live in Pennsylvania. Um, Elizabeth handles all the finances and the budgeting and a lot of logistics uh, planning in advance of these missions. And then Gustavo uh, meets us at the airport and takes over leading the experience from there. They're just an amazing, uh, amazing family to partner with in this ministry. So we left for this mission on November 4th. Uh, we left here around 7 in the morning, arrived in Guatemala City that night around 10 o'clock local time, which thanks to some countries observing daylight saving time and others not, was about midnight on our body clocks. And by the time we got through customs, loaded and unloaded our 46 suitcases and finally settled in for the night, it was about 2 in the morning. The next day... We had breakfast at uh, Kairos House, and uh, Kairos House is really the central uh, mission of Kairos Ministries. Uh, It functions, the closest thing we compare it to is like a Ronald McDonald House, where patients and family members uh, of patients who are at the hospital in Guatemala City uh, can stay while they're undergoing treatment. Um, 
And if you remember a couple years ago, uh, we helped raise funds when we, we weren't able to do this mission because of COVID, but we were able to raise some funds uh, for the purchase of a new Kairos house. So this is in the new Kairos, new to us and new to them Kairos house, uh, one that's much larger, in much better condition, can better accommodate and serve uh, the people they care to, they want to reach and care for. So that was really great to spend a little bit of time there and to spend some time to see what we've invested in and what God is doing through that ministry. Uh, from there, we loaded up in a couple of vans and three trucks for the four-hour trip to Chikimula, which is uh, our base for the week. Uh, so for four days, it's a Hotel Hernandez. I'm sure you've probably seen it on the Travel Channel. Um, <laughs> from the <laughs> or is it locked up abroad? I'm not sure which, but... Anyway, so we're not really complaining. It's, it's great. For four days from Monday to Thursday, a typical day would look like this, because we're going to be talking some about our typical days, so I want to paint a picture for you. We'd make a two-block walk um, to an apartment where a friend of the Valdez family would host us for breakfast, about 30 people, no big deal, host us for breakfast. Uh, most mornings, we're loaded up on our way towards the mountain um, around 8 o'clock. Typically, the trip to the villages where we hold our clinics uh, takes about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, and let's just say it's a scenic trip. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> but this year, for the first time ever, uh, we found the road up the mountain to basically be impassable with our vans, which is really saying something because we've made it up there on days, times when I'm like, we have no business being here. But this time it was like, we can't actually do it. So for anybody who's experienced this road, and there's nearly 40 people in our church who have done this trip, and a lot of you have experienced this, you know I'm hardly exaggerating when I say that your life kind of flashes before your eyes as you're making your way, I mean, multiple times on this road up to the villages. So between the general condition of the quote-unquote road and the sheer drop-off that sometimes is only inches from your tires, uh, yeah, but this year, uh, just to make it more interesting, it rained a lot. So we found a rendezvous spot at the base of the mountain where we transitioned into pickup trucks, filled the cabs of the trucks, and then the backs of the trucks. So there may be a disproportionate number of stories. I don't know. I haven't heard and read what everybody's going to be talking about, there, but there may seem like a disproportionate number of stories or pictures or videos uh, of the trips up and down the mountain each day. But it really was way beyond our past experience with this. So it really was a huge challenge because of the extra time involved that it took to just get our day started and get everybody in their places. Uh, and at the end of the day, when we really wanted to wrap things up, but we had to wait for those extra trips down the mountain. Huge credit to our team for their flexibility. Um, no one complained about the inconvenience. Some people like observed about the near-death experience, but they weren't <laughs> complaining about the inconvenience uh, or all the waiting around. We took the extra time to get to know each other a little bit better, to play some games, to sit at the end of the day and to, just in those quiet schoolyards and those incredible mountains waiting for the last trucks to kind of cycle back up and bring everybody in. So let's just back up a little bit. So we held our clinics at three different schools in, in uh, different villages on the same mountain. Uh, we would send our supplies and our medical team up the mountain first so they could start getting things set up. We'd have to rearrange you know, three or four classrooms, wipe everything down, set up spaces for waiting areas, for intake, for the clinic stations, for the vision center, and for the pharmacy. And by the time the last trucks arrived with the rest of the team, we were pretty much ready to see our first patients. Then at the end of the day, we'd take a few minutes at Hotel Hernandez and uh, clean up a bit and then we'd gather all, I'll gather at the apartment again for dinner and then a nightly debrief after our meal as a whole team. And I think those conversations uh, led to some of the most meaningful experiences of the whole week. So we repeated the same thing for four days. 
We saw nearly 500 patients in those four clinics. Uh, I never got a count on prescriptions. Does anybody know? Typically, it's about three per person. That's what it's been in the past. So I think we're safe to say 1,200 to 1,500 prescriptions. Yeah, and yeah, at least. We gave away dozens and dozens. Remember when we were doing Continental Breakfast back in the sprat last spring, we were raising funds for a nutritional supplement. We gave nutritional supplement to dozens and dozens of families. We just kept going buying, buying more every day. Um, at the end of the week, we left about 20 suitcases at Cairo's house for them to give to their guests because uh, they probably need them. And uh, some of them were f- we left full of, uh, well, left hundreds of dollars of medicines and medical supplies for the next mission team, wherever they come from. Actually, I saw this week they're probably putting a team together for July from Pennsylvania. So that's some context for the stories you're about to hear. I invite uh, I invited any of our team members to come share a story. A few of them offered to do that. Um, and then we're going to watch a slideshow, and uh, Faith is going to get us started. We're going we're to play around with this mic for a minute to, f- to figure out where the right setting should be, because it's a little bit loud. Here you go. Okay. Thanks. <sighs> so I titled my paper today, my talk, on um, There Is No I in Team. So, in reflecting back on our latest mission trip to Guatemala, the phrase that comes to my mind is that there is no I in team. For many of us, this is not a new phrase. This mission team was amazing. They worked steadily and selflessly from start to finish. They were always quick to step up to load or unload the many suitcases in the trucks, which also included tarping and strapping them down. And if you didn't act quickly, There wasn't a water jug, cooler, or lunch tote to lug to or from Anna's house. I want to take a moment to give you a few vital statistics. 21 people went on this trip. Out of this 21-member team, we had nine first-timers. That's 43% of us. So initially, you might think that is a pretty high percentage of first-timers, but if it hadn't been pointed out, I would have never known they weren't mission trip veterans. We also had two people making their second mission trip, four people on their third, three on their fourth, and another three making this their fifth or more. We came from all walks of life. We had two physicians, seven nurses, two newly minted, by the way, a contractor, a teenager, a human resource manager, a couple electricians, an insurance agent, a pastor, a retail store manager, an auto technician, an office manager, and a couple still trying to figure out what they want to be when they grow up. We all came together like a well-oiled machine. While we were prepping for our trip, we prayed for team unity, among many other things. Everyone checked their egos, preconceived notions, prejudices, etc., at the door before we left. I was proud of how everyone brought their best to this team. We gelled like we had been working together for years. As a manager of people in real life, I have to say that I was very impressed with our group, whether it was taking the hand of a teammate to navigate uneven terrain or grabbing the other end of a heavy suitcase. This team was amazing. Have I mentioned that already? Having recognized the individuals that actually made this trip does not and should not minimize the role that all of you played, our church family. You all stepped up in a huge way by helping us with your time and resources. You baked breakfast items, you bought t-shirts, you gave us suitcases, and you absolutely crushed the Amazon wish list. I mean, crushed it. 
a humongous thank you for giving so generously and often to this list. You are amazing as well. I think I can speak for all of us when I say that even though you weren't physically there in Guatemala with us, you were just as much an integral part of our team as those who were there. So no matter whether you consider your contribution big or small, we couldn't have done it without you. And remember, there is no I in team. Thank you. I don't think there will ever be enough I can say to describe this place and how positively it impacted my life. The people, the views, the tears, all of it was more worthy than anyone can imagine from a place. For a good chunk of the preparation, I went in a little blind and let whatever needed to happen happen, praying over and over that I could see God. At one of our last meetings, I even asked, so what am I doing? <laughs> I knew my goals, I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't know if I was even going to have a place. Something I've been great at hiding through all of this is at the beginning of these meetings and stories of God, as I've shown up in church over the last couple of years and have helped the Jammers kids see their Savior, I haven't truly really believed he was there for me. I've known for a very long time that I wanted that spark to come back to me. I wanted to feel God's love again the way I did for so long and to be so confident in my faith that any doubt I had didn't feel impossible. I craved that connection again. I promise you by the end of this, you will see that I found it. I found him. I got really good at quite a few things here. One, closing my mouth in the shower. <laughs> Apparently I'm not good at that at home. Two, saying the word petito, or little duck in Spanish. Three, taking really good naps in cramped up vans that no one finds comfortable but me. And four, sprawling out in truck beds because for some reason I cannot stay in my own space. All of these things honestly taught me more than anything else, how to build a relationship healthily. I knew that I could not seek God if I wasn't close with my team. So for the first two to three days, that's what I focused on. The person who pushed me the hardest to go further and look for God fully was my mom. I saw her light up every time I smiled, and this motivated me more than anything. I hope everyone gets to experience or already has experienced the kind of love she showers me with at some point in their life. I'm beyond grateful that I got to be here next to her. There are a lot of stories that I want to share, but for right now I want to share the story that I will always describe as the experience that changed my life. The second village we visited was most memorable for sure. The kids were ecstatic every time you even walked near them, and the adults would hold your hands, look you in the eyes, and just say thank you over and over again. Looking back, I'm not even sure if they were adults or my age, but either way, they were the most grateful humans. In this village, there were two main places we were, and you would go up and down stairs to go back and forth. Downstairs, next to the building, I found a little boy with a Nutrigrain bar who looked so beyond happy. I asked him how he was, and without hesitation, he motioned for me to come over to him. Thinking he wanted to play or give me his trash or something, I went over expecting a quick smile or hug maybe, but nothing like what happened. He put his hands together in prayer hands and pointed to me, telling me that he wanted me to pray for him. At this point in the week, I was still a little nervous to jump back into prayer out loud, and I hadn't even attempted to in years. I knew this boy needed it, though, so prayer is exactly what I did. He put his bar down and grabbed my hands as I prayed to God in a completely foreign language to him. When I was done, he grabbed his bar, said thank you, and ran off. I sat there and cried. This boy had no idea what he'd just done for me. Love is easy to see is a quote I will now live by forever. Love surrounds us every single moment. We just choose to find the hate. I guarantee you, if you go into this week purposely looking for love, you will find it, 
find that it is everywhere. And if you go into this week hoping to see God, know that you do not have to be on a mountain in a different country. You can be absolutely anywhere, and God is there with you. He is there, he cares, and he loves you so much. Thank you to this team for helping me to see that and praying for me so gently. I will cherish this experience for my entire life. That's my tea. (laughs) All right. I titled mine Gratitude. All right. Let's see if I can get through this without crying. The Sunday before, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I might need it. The Sunday before I left for our fourth trip to Guatemala, I had two special young men here in the church approach me and ask me how to, how they could pray for me while I was away. My first reaction was, "Wait, what?" Then, choking back tears, as I am now, I told them to pray for our safe travel and safe return. This simply. Yeah, This simple gesture from two incredible young men, which their parents should be incredibly proud of them, not only made my day, but made my trip a great one. Now on to the meat and potatoes of this trip. I'm not much of a journal writer, but decided to highlight this trip by writing down simple words that described my emotions as I watched this team work together each day. Unfortunately for you, I came up with 31 words. But it could have been many more. It's, whoops, I just almost lost it. It started, it started with 25 words that meant certain things at a particular moment as I watched this team work in whatever duties they had. The words begin with gentle kindness, thoughtful kindness, integrity, hero, simple gestures, kind gestures, joy, laughter, Hugs, pure love, happiness, sadness, hunger, friendship, care, life, death, vision, tears, smiles, teamwork, patience, tired, mud, (laughs) and family. The last six describe what I felt this team was built on and can't thank each and every one of them enough for the impact they have had on my time in Guatemala. The words are as follows with the last word describing this team to a T. Grace, compassion, gratitude, humanity, and the last word is humble. The definition of humble is modest, meek, unassuming. A humble person is not proud and does not believe that they are better than others. As always, I am in awe of the care and love you guys show the people of Guatemala, and if, a big if, this was my last trip to Guatemala, I'm so proud to have been a small part of it. Thank you. I simply titled mine, Guatemala 2023. Um, 2023 found me preparing for a mission trip I wasn't sure I wanted to go on. I'd been a member of the mission team in 2016 and 2018, as well as prepared to go in 2020 when COVID stopped the world in its tracks. This time, I found it hard to get excited about the trip, even though I'd fallen in love with Guatemala, the Valdez family, 
and the people we had served in the mountain villages of Comatan back in 2016. For lack of a better description, I was spiritually dehydrated. The years, <coughs> the years since our trip in 2018 had been filled with a number of soul-draining experiences. A serious accident for my oldest son, COVID, my mom's cancer diagnosis, and passing six months later, as well as other close friends losing parents or other family members. My soul was tired, and I was struggling with old demons of insecurity and doubt. I'm so glad I pushed through and went on this trip. The time spent with my team, the Valdez family, and the people in the villages renewed something within me and let me come home feeling more, more like myself than I had in almost three years. What was the secret to this healing that I couldn't find here? I honestly don't know, except that I was able to step away from my everyday life for eight days and simply look to serve others from my teammates to the villagers in whatever way I could. There was something about taking my mind off myself, my problems, and daily struggles of life, and simply looking to help or encourage someone else. I want to tell you about Valentino Mendoza. We first met Valentino back in 2018. She came to the clinic with a tumor on the side of her face. Back then, it was arranged through Kairos Ministry for her to go to Guatemala City to have a CAT scan done. Doug was able to share pictures of the image with colleagues at home, and the response was, that doesn't look good. It's not something you want to hear in the United States, let alone in rural Guatemala. Flash forward to our third day of clinics in 2023. I was working with Doug at his patient station, and Valentino came in with her two children, Mirna, who's 14, and Alexander, who's seven. The tumor has grown, misshapening her head and pushing her eye forward, causing it to bulge. It was devastating to look at this woman with her two beautiful children, knowing that there wasn't much we could do but offer some pain relief. This was the low part of the trip for me, but it was also the place where I was able to find God. This is something Gustava asks us each night at supper. What was our low point of the day and where did we see God? By supper time that day, I was able to respond that I had been able to find God in this situation. Tragic, yes. But the fact that Valentino is still alive five years later is a miracle. Her children have had her for five more years, bringing them closer to adulthood, or at least to where they will remember her when she does pass. And we were able to leave her quite a bit of pain medication, hopefully making her more comfortable and able to not only care for her children, but also build more memories with them. And maybe this is where the healing for me came from. Being able to find God in this awful situation. Life is hard. Being human is hard. Too often, all we can see is the bad, the tragic, the difficult, and the mundane, without seeing the good and the grace he gives us, not only his comfort and his peace, but also the comfort in the form of community with people who care about us, the wonders of creation that speak to the presence of God, and ultimately life, himself, life itself. Uh, a couple of our team members wanted to speak. They planned to. So we had planned to do this last Sunday, and then with the weather, we just said, let's push that forward. What that meant is a couple of our team members who were hoping to speak weren't able to be here today. So they were kind enough and bold enough to create a couple of videos. So the first one, uh, this, is, this is Jen's story. Hey, everybody. It's Jen. Um, I am uh, bummed to be missing the service today with everybody uh, and the whole team. I was hoping I could be there, but... 
I'm uh, joining you virtually today because of that main weather that you never know what will happen with. Um, so I am blessed to have been able to go on this trip again. Uh, this was my second trip with Faith Community um, and Kairos House. Uh, so that means it was also my second trip with my parents. Um, and then it was my third trip with my aunt. Um, her and I did a mission trip while I was in high school. So without further ado, I will uh, share my thoughts. Love is easy to see. In Galatians 5.13, we are called to serve one another humbly in love. One of the ways that we shared the love of Jesus was by letting our actions speak louder than words. Love is easy to see. These five words struck me immediately and have stuck with me since. Love is, in fact, easy to see in every single thing that we did while we were gone. It was easy to see in the faces of the children and their families that were just thankful to see us. It was easy to see in the pure joy that bubbles can bring. It was easy to see in that small piece of Nutrigrain bar that was shared and in every single member of our amazing team. Love was easy to see in the little girl who had at one point broken her wrist and had no use uh, of it. She couldn't use her wrist. When Josh and Taylor took their time to help her blow bubbles. Love was easy to see in the little boy's face who watched as Nikki grabbed a Nutrigrain bar and without even thinking, broke it in half and gave him a piece. Love was easy to see in our team. Every member, whether they had been on a mission trip before or not, jumped right in and got to work. You would have thought it was a team of true mission trip veterans. They showed compassion for everyone that we came in contact with, including their teammates, as some of us did get a little sick at the end. Three mission trips later, and it never gets easier. It just gets more important and more special. The joy that we are able to help bring to those villages and those families is something I wish everyone ha had a chance to see at some point in their life. Um, it's amazing. So as you leave here today, remember, Love is easy to see. So I went to Guatemala with no expectations, or at least I tried to. Everything I saw, smelled, heard, or tasted was new to me. And I guess I kind of expected that. What I didn't expect was the heart of those people. Day one, I'm riding in the back of a pickup truck up the back part of the mountain, and um, I feel my water bottle pop out of my bag. I heard it hit the ground behind me, and my brain was already like, okay, you've got this. I'll go without today if I have to, even though Faith's gonna yell at me to hydrate repeatedly. <laughs> it's only a couple hours, and I'll grab the disposable water bottle back at the hotel and just refill and reuse that. No biggie. A few hundred feet later, we stopped to unload all the supplies, and as I jumped down, Josh, who I'd mentioned to that my water bottle was gone, points back down the road. A lady and her little one, and I mean like very little, are walking hand in hand up the road through the mud and muck to bring me the water bottle. To me, it had been such a small loss that I instantly came up with a way to move on. But there are these two coming up the road in the rain to bring me clean water, which was so important and difficult to come by for them. 
by th I walked down to meet them and thanked them the best I could because I speak very little Spanish. And by the time I get back up to the truck, I was tearing up. They made me cry on day one. What from at first glance looked like such a small gesture had already changed my outlook on everything to come. And it was only the first day of clinics. The other thing that was huge to me actually took up all of my mental energy before we even left Ellsworth was the pharmacy. I didn't know how things operated down there. I know what to do in a pharmacy setting here, but I was leaning on Bill mostly <laughs> before we even left right, to help me visualize what role I'd play when we got down there. Good Lord. <laughs> Everything from getting the meds down to the schools, setting up the pharmacy, dispensing out prescription bags, translating everything into Spanish, which big thank you to Jen for that, and Tylenol. So much Tylenol. Went so smoothly. It wasn't until the night after, I believe the second day that it hit me. Our team was amazing. Bill and Faith took care of all the non-prescription items. Jen, Rachel, and I counted the meds and helped me figure out the Spanish instructions. Nikki was a rock star over at the Tylenol station. <laughs> everything from everything from dosing, substitutions, and did I mention there was a lot of Tylenol? <laughs> we even had a couple people come from other stations to help count or put out or put together toys to play with the kids. Emma got her first taste of pharmacy in the help of here's a counting tray, have fun. <laughs> Taylor and Josh and Tim were constantly stepping in to help out. Anything they could do to make things work more smoothly. One evening I told Colin, one of the providers, that if things had run this smoothly when I was doing pharmacy work in the States, I probably never would have left. And I still mean that, because our team was amazing. Good morning. I'm April. For those of you who don't know, I'm Faith's sister. And this is my second trip to Guatemala. Unfortunately, five years ago um, at debrief, I had a violent stomach virus that kept me from coming. But I'm here today. I have been a nurse for 30 years as of last September. In case you're wondering, I started my career at the age of five. <laughs> <laughs> My current job is working as a school nurse at Blue Hill Consolidated School. First, I would like to thank all of the team members for welcoming, welcoming me into the team with open arms. I don't work with any of you, and I don't attend FCF. However, from day one, I have felt welcomed and embraced by each and every one of you. On our last mission trip, I earned the title of Urine Dip Queen. This came from the fact that all the providers seemed to need urine tested on several patients, and I was there to do it. I didn't mind the title of urine dip queen. I even got a crown to go with my title. <laughs> However, this trip I was looking to see what other role I might fill. I still did my fair share of urine dips, but I got to explore a new role, teaching. As a school nurse, I work with teachers every day, but I don't get a chance to step into that role very often. We had a couple of fairly new, amazing nurses. 
They probably know more than me. However, some of the procedures that they have not yet experienced in their short careers. I was truly honored that they sought me out when they were asked to do a procedure that they were not familiar with. Don't get me wrong, I was not teaching them how to assist with open heart surgery, but getting the opportunity to share some of my knowledge was a very fulfilling experience. Then watching them go off and perform that task on their own the next time brought a feeling of great pride that I had a part in making that happen. So thank you, Emma and Rachel, for allowing me to be a teacher. I am very thankful for the opportunity to participate in this important work. The type of work we do is the why I went into nursing, to provide care to people in need. It is basic and simple. No computers, very little paperwork, and in return, we are gifted with so much love and appreciation from those that we care for. This fills my soul and provides motivation to go back home and continue my day-to-day -day job. The memories of this mission and then planning for the next one will keep me going until we are once again in Guatemala. Our next story is on video. This is Tim. Hello, my name is Tim DeShifford, for those that don't know me. I'm sorry I'm not able to be with you today. I wanted to thank you, the church body, for supporting us through your donations and especially through your prayers when we were down there. I wanted to thank the team for showing me a glimpse of God's work through this trip. When we were in the middle of the week in Guatemala, Faith asked me why I came on this trip. I think this question was inspired by the fact I really didn't know anyone on the team real well. My thoughts were when it started out that I would go with my teenage daughter as a great experience for her. Their trip got delayed to the fall and she went off to college. By this time I had asked my client and friend who is a doctor if he would go and I felt obligated to go. But I could still back out in my mind. I also had no medical experience, so I wondered how much help I could be. I've been on two other medical mission trips to the Dominican with my other children. My experience is that these trips that God can do great things, and my own faith grows through it more than the good that I do on the trip. I had this in mind and was looking at my own faith, where I was struggling with my walk with God and questioning him. Over the last couple of years, both my parents and my father-in-law passed away during the COVID pandemic. I had to deal with my own cancer and the difficulties with my old church and the COVID restrictions. Going on this trip was a conscious decision of mine was to see God's hand at work. And I did see it in the openness of my fellow team members to me as they got to know me better. I saw it in the way people put themselves out there to help serve the goal of helping the villagers, where it, whether it was relieving the pain or bringing a smile to a child's face. It was in the discussions around the dinner table or in the group's discussions after supper or in my talks with Colin in my calling my doctor friend and Todd about faith. 
It was even seen in a vivid memory of three team members standing up in the back of a pickup truck with their hands in the air as they entered the gas station with the expression they had conquered the trip through the mud, down the mountain. It was like an Indiana Jones adventure. I wanted to thank the team again for sharing God's love with the villagers and helping me in my continual walk with God. One of my favorite verses is Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And he continues to work in me. Thank you for this trip. Are you getting this th the sense that this was a really awesome team? <laughs> I think we all talk about the team, and I certainly it's, it's the focus of mine as well. I close my eyes and think about Guatemala. The things that come first are the easy ones to remember. The smell of diesel, the noise and chaos of the streets of Chicamula, the smell of the amazing food prepared by our mom away from home, the laughter of the children playing while they wait with their families, pigs on a leash. <laughs> the jagged mountains piercing the sky. Other memories come of conversations, of experiences shared, but the one that always comes first is the one that I would like to share. Picture it, Guatemala, November 2023. Our team was packing up for the day at our first clinic site. We were tired. Some of us who had been on previous trips were thinking of how many more people that we typically see. It was pouring rain, and our bags of supplies were packed efficiently but that meant heavy. The school that our clinic was at that day was either a quarter of a mile into the jungle or seven miles into the jungle. It was really hard to tell. But it was a narrow cow path lined with barbed wire full of roots and rocks. The makeshift stairs up to the school were boulders. As we prepared to depart with our supplies, we found the way to be wet, muddy, and treacherous. Now this path had already been one that I had feared coming that I had feared coming into this trip. I was seven years older, a few pounds heavier, and our previous visits had, pro it had proven to be uh, a challenge. Um, and mud and pouring rain, I was worried. Typically, I tried to be one of the last ones out. Maybe it's the mom and me that I like to be sure that we haven't left anyone or anything behind. As I moved toward the edge of the rocks to depart, the scene of the true teamwork unfolded before me. Josh and Todd are standing on the boulder steps, helping everyone pass safely. Team members are carrying suitcases together. There is laughter rising up from the mud. I start down the steps toward my teammates with a suitcase filled with what is probably cement blocks, or so it seems. Josh helps me pass safely, and then Todd, seeing my struggle with the supplies, shares the burden and picks up the bottom of the suitcase. I can hear the struggled voices up ahead as we maneuver the path. I can feel the rain on my face. I can see the wheels of Colin's bag bouncing off the rocks and spraying mud as he dragged in. I feel the sting of the barbed wire fence as I grab it accidentally while trying to propel myself forward. I hear others up ahead coming back down the path to help. I hear Faith say that what she has is heavy, but she wants them to help someone else who is struggling. I hear voices of encouragement from behind me. My legs are starting to burn and shake. I'm not sure I can make it the last few steps, but I don't want to let my partner down. Out of nowhere come the hands to help, 
Rachel grabbing the suitcase, and Tim reaching his hand out to help me across the finish line, making sure that I wasn't left behind. This journey through the jungle probably only took about eight to 10 minutes, but it truly defined our team for me for the rest of the trip. This group of people, some friends, some strangers, came together at that moment and we found our team. God had a plan for us. Now this may not seem inspirational or exciting to some, but these are the defining moments in life that make the bigger moments possible. This was a defining moment for me that showed the grit, tenacity, fortitude, and love of our team. Hi guys, I'm Nikki. Um, so I took a different approach and I've written this at least two full times, so bear with me. Um, at first I wanted to talk about all the pretty things that I saw. I wanted to talk about the mud, which wasn't that pretty. Um, and then I really had a calling upon my heart to talk about the impact that this trip had on, my, on me personally. So if there's tears, then um, Todd has tissues. Um, I want to talk about labels and what labels do to us um, and the impact that they can have, good and bad. I've spent my whole life under the pretense of labels. Sometimes labels are upbeat and positive. Um, many of you know I'm a nurse, I'm a mom, a friend, a daughter, and a coworker. Other times those labels have been darker, more shameful. I've been the poor girl, the overweight one, the sinner. Living in that constant state of needing to rise up or shy away from those labels can be completely exhausting. Often, I've missed the feeling of living life to its fullest. Now, as a Christian, I know that I'm accepted by the Lord Jesus Christ exactly as I am. But in our society of whirling expectations and exceedingly higher and higher social demands, Sometimes I feel like I lose focus on that. Sometimes it takes completely stepping away from all of the things that make up my regular day-to-day -day life to recognize just how amazing my life really is and to completely recognize how blessed that I truly am. Like everyone else that you've seen up here today, I just got back from Guatemala. Apparently it was a couple months ago. It was my second time on this medical mission team. So as a nurse, you would think you'd be able to label my, my role on this medical mission team in a straightforward way, right? But this trip and this experience with this team wasn't straightforward for me. This was different in every good way. This mission turned out to be much more about living out my Christian values than anything medical. Despite the fact that I've been a nurse for 20 years here in the United States and I proudly wear that badge daily on my chest, I provided absolutely no direct patient care while we were in Guatemala, none. The beauty of our trip to Guatemala this time was the complete diversity of our team. We had brand new nurses full of hunger to learn all the new skills and soak up all of that knowledge to anyone that could throw it their way. We had veteran team members willing to roll up their sleeves and do anything, even if stepping back was what actually needed to be done in that moment. We had team members who were physically strong and others of us 
me included, that needed help. And I was willing to take it this time. We had first time travelers and well-seasoned pros had been around the world. It didn't matter what situation came our way, I completely trusted in every member of our group and that we would all lean into each other's God-given strengths to lift one another up in just the right moment. I knew from the very first day that things were different and I felt alive in a way I hadn't felt in a very long time. My role turned out to be in the pharmacy during the clinic days. I worked very, very closely with Jen, as we saw earlier, and Chuck. We were responsible for making sure that whatever the nurses and the doctors prescribed for all the patients was provided in their little bag of goodies that would go home with them. Thousands and thousands of pills, so many instances of the Google Translate, and the number of times that I calculated out the Tylenol dosing would ironically enough give you all a headache. But none of that relates to the fact, or the label, once again, that I'm a nurse. I was able to leave all those labels and preconceived expectations that went along with them behind and just get to be Nikki for a whole week. I was able to make space to experience the people and just focus on the tasks at hand, to be the best of my ability at any given time, and to be open to experience what God had to say or do through me. I watched our team flourish. I witnessed Chuck rise up to a leadership role I don't think he ever believed that he was capable of doing. Jen was beautiful. She was confident in knowing exactly how to help us all in such a loving, caring, and nurturing way. My friend Carrie here, she stepped up into a different capacity than she has before and thrived, as always. Faith. She was prepared for all situations. She always found a way to get us what we needed, when we needed it. The rain on the mountains were at some points almost too much even for our native host team. I never witnessed any of our FCF team complain about the mud the rain, or the inconvenience that all of us were experiencing. I saw every single person find creative ways to get the hundreds and hundreds of pounds of supplies in and out of the trucks, up and down the stairs, um, in the mountain paths, or across the town to help prepare everyone for dinners. As members of our team were injured and sick throughout the week, I witnessed the medical mission extend to one another seamlessly. Every day, our host, Gustavo, would ask us where we saw God that day, and we would share our stories in a group. I could, and maybe I should, write a book talking about where I've seen God in Guatemala. It would include watching Taylor and Josh interacting with the kids. Their passion and love is inspiring, and I promise it would bring anyone to tears. I would also include talking about the seeing the joy in Tina's eyes as she interacts with those families. It was beautiful. I'd talk about us hearing the village members sing worship music after the long days of, of our clinic. We won't talk about the firecracker incident after. <laughs> yeah. I'd include witnessing a small child dig a piece of trash out of the ground 
and then hand it to Carrie as a token of appreciation. And I couldn't express enough gratitude for Priscilla taking time to teach me how to make a dish that I especially enjoyed from her dinner and then sending me home back to Maine with the ingredients so I could make it for my family. We don't have time today for all the ways that I have seen or experienced the presence of God in my life because of Guatemala, although I will gladly talk to anyone about my experiences. What I do know to be true is that we've all been a part of something bigger, helping the people of the mountain villages see God through us, through our acts of servanthood and kindness. There's no way I couldn't talk about the impact of experiencing this with my daughter, Taylor. Here's the tears. This one, this one changed me and embodies my own and I think all of our purposes as Christians. I saw the reflection of all of the good through the love and community over the years that has been poured into her. And I saw it develop into something more concrete and tangible for her. I was able to witness Taylor shine her light and share her gifts to all those in need and witness her growing her own personal relationship with Jesus Christ in front of all of us. As a mother and as a Christian, to bear witness to this was simply beautiful. Each day I work on knowing that those erroneous labels put on us are just noise. Through prayer and intentional community, I make progress. I want to thank all of you for being a part of my journey and for helping us make moments and seasons of life like this Kairos moments. I'll forever be grateful. Yeah, you can be seated. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't mind. Thank you. I want to wrap this up and um, maybe bring some opportunity for a personal challenge, an application for all of us, because you might be thinking, well, that's nice for all of you. Uh, what's that have to do with me? Uh, and that's nice that our church gets to be a part of something like this, but what are we really accomplishing? Is this really the best investment of our time and our resources? Like what long-term good is a short-term mission like this anyway? Uh, believe me, we've all, our team, a lot of our team sitting right up front, we've all asked these questions. We asked these questions in conversations on this trip. Uh, so let's talk about that for a couple minutes. When we're in Guatemala um, for these missions, honestly, before we even hit the ground, um, as we're making our approach into the airport, uh, we come in over these, I, I guess you'd call them neighborhoods, uh, where all these shacks are built one on top of the other into the sides of these hills all over Guatemala City, and poverty just slaps you in the face. And then as we make our way uh, to Chiquimula, and then from there up into the mountains every day, and we see the way people live life. And if you're trying to look at the big picture, the conditions are honestly disheartening. Uh, there doesn't seem to be much hope of anything changing uh, anytime soon. Like on a systemic level, nothing's changing for the better. Um, we've been going to these same villages for 10 years now, and we're seeing a lot of the same health issues. But this year, on top of the health issues we've always seen, there's new stuff. There's more, uh, more concerns. It's, it's not getting better. And that's frustrating uh, and honestly kind of discouraging. Um, but all those concerns and those frustrations are legitimate. Uh, 
But here's where we're finding ourselves with that. Perhaps that shouldn't be our primary focus. Like perhaps our primary concern shouldn't be to devise some master, grand master plan to fix things on a macro systemic level. It shouldn't, definitely shouldn't be our focus because we understand that's beyond our ability to do anything to fix that. So perhaps our primary concern should be to do what we can do with what we have to help in ways that we have the power and ability to help. So think about this. A couple weeks ago, uh, right here on Sunday morning, we talked about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And some of you were here for that. And there's a, there's a lot to take out of that story. And we just talked about one angle a couple weeks ago. But while we're away on this mission, some of us got talking about this. And, and here's what we realized. That Jesus didn't ask the disciples to solve the food situation in Galilee at the time a time when people really went a meal at a time. Like they weren't able to store food for long times. They didn't, weren't able to run to the store for anything they needed at any given moment. He didn't ask them to change anything on a macro level. He didn't ask them to change the economic system because he knew they didn't have the power to influence that kind of change. All he asked of them was to use what resources they had. And as they looked around, they discovered that the only resources at their disposal actually belonged to someone else. So they had to do something that might actually be harder than giving your own resources. They had to ask someone else to give theirs. So the meager resources at their disposal in the face of an overwhelming need, a huge crowd that needed food. And here's the thought, like even because they said we need to send the people home, like even if they'd sent the people home for food, there was no guarantee that they were going to go home and eat a meal because food was not readily available at any given time. Food scarcity was common. So in the face of these circumstances, the disciples brought a simple lunch to Jesus, and it wasn't even their lunch. And he fed thousands of people with those meager resources. So here's something to think about. Jesus only fed the crowd for that day, in that moment. It wasn't a long-term solution. So in our conversations a couple months ago, we discovered a real-world application of this story to the situation we found ourselves in in Guatemala. When we can be part of a long-term solution to a widespread or systemic problem, we should be, like without hesitation. But think about this. Every person that Jesus fed eventually was hungry again. Every person that Jesus healed eventually died, probably from a sickness, Every person that Jesus raised from the dead eventually died again. And from Jesus' own example, I think we can draw this principle, that when all we can do is to address the presenting need and to serve the presenting need, like we might refer to it as a Band-Aid on the solution or a finger in the dam kind of thing. When that's all we can do, we ought to do just that. Because to the person whose immediate need you are meeting, it matters. The baby, babies with reflux, the kid with the rash, the mom with an infection, the dad with headaches, the grandmother with knee pain, right? The solutions that we bring provide relief from pain and discomfort, even if temporary, and it matters. It's one of the reasons we continue to do missions like this. But here's the thing. You don't have to go to a foreign country to live out this principle. In the community that we live in, in the place where you work, 
where you go to school, right in this church, you're going to be presented with real needs. Real needs that you have the resources to meet, needs that you have the skill set to meet, needs that you have the time to meet, and needs that you have the emotional margin to meet. And it won't be convenient. Most likely going to cost you something. It'll cost you some money, it'll cost you some time, cost you some energy, cost you some emotion. The little, boy's, uh, little boy whose lunch uh, fed 5,000, had fed thousands of people, 5,000, it said 5,000 men plus women and children, thousands of people. That cost him something at first, right? He thought it cost him his lunch until the disciples came along with all the food he could possibly eat. I think the, ob- the application for us is pretty obvious. When we give what we have to Jesus for the benefit of someone else, whether that's in the mountains in Guatemala or right here in Hancock County, Maine, When we give what we have to Jesus for the benefit of someone else, he will use it, he will multiply it, we will have more than enough, more than we need. In the end, just like the feeding of the thousands, we will join with the disciples and worship him. That's why we're in this thing. We put together some pictures and videos and some music, and uh, yeah, I know what time it is, but you know, it is what it is. Watch this.